You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Jesus Tree, Part 7. Enjoy. Called The Jesus Tree. And we're talking about some shocking stuff. But we're kind of shocking here at Highway Church. We're, we're, it's called The Jesus Tree. That's the name of our series. And we're talking about our supernatural family tree. When you put your faith in Christ, you entered his family. God became your father. Jesus became your elder brother. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And you're now God's son or God's daughter. And this series is about who we are now in Christ. We're learning our our family tree, our family history, okay? We know 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's the promise of the month for the month of August, tells us that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. So if you've put your faith in Christ, according to the scriptures, you're a new creation. But you need to believe that and start saying that with your mouth as you go throughout the week, as Satan tries to condemn you, right, and and tells you you haven't changed, you're no different than you used to be. Open up your mouth and say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Yeah, your thoughts won't stop Satan. Your mouth will. Okay? We, this, here's where the power is in the mouth. Death and life. Proverbs 21 says, right? So we know in verse 21 of the same chapter that we've become the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God took every sin you've ever committed or could ever commit. And he put them on his son on the cross. And then he gave you his son's righteousness. So you're the righteousness of God in Christ. I say that to myself regularly. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. This is how we talk now. Okay? If you haven't done it, start. I want to encourage you. Start speaking who you really are in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. There's no condemnation for me. How about you? Where's that from? Did I just make that up to be happy? No, that's what Jesus did in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. What does it say? There is therefore now no condemnation. Zero, zippo, nada, right? For those who are in Christ Jesus. In fact, the law of the spirit of life has set you free permanently from the law of sin and death. This is just scriptures, right? This is just the truth. Romans 6, 11 says that we're dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 9. uh, What what does it say? That we walk in the spirit. Not in the flesh. Did you know that? You're in the spirit. Wow. It's good to know what God has done for you. Right? So we've been talking recently in this series. In the last couple uh, messages. About the importance of God's word. That God's word can fix anything. That it's light. It's the light we need to see him clearly. And it's the light we need to see ourselves clearly. To see who we are in Christ. Okay? So we're going to go to Psalm 107. But as we go there, I want to say something I said last week. When God's word is taught properly, it brings light. It brings joy. It brings happiness, peace, strength, confidence, faith, inspiration, vision, destiny. When it's taught properly. If it's not, it can bring bondage, confusion. Okay? Remember, we thank God for the written word, for the Bible, but we want to, we want to rightly divide it. Because, boy, if you don't, you can get really confused. And a lot of believers are really confused about this book. All right? So when God's Word is taught, it fixes properly. It really fixes everything. It really does. It will bring you into a whole new realm of life. It will, it will bring you into a liberty that no one can take away. Joy and wholeness that no one can take away. In fact, Psalm 107 goes as far as to say this. God sent His Word... This is his method of operation, right? And healed them. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. 
So God's word heals and delivers every time. Every time. In fact, Proverbs 4, verse 20, let's put that up there, says this about the light of God's word. It says, my son, give attention to all the latest news stories. Nope. Give attention to my words. You've got a purpose to do this daily. You have to control what goes in your mind. No one else can do that for you. God's given you control over your mind. Do you know that? That's your property. Don't let anyone else in there. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. This is something we have to choose to do, right? Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? So you can win that Bible quiz show. So you can get a sticker when you come to church. Nothing wrong with those things, but no. Yeah, we do watch. <laughs> What's it called? The American Bible Challenge, yeah. No, this is why God says to do it. Verse 22. For they are... What? Well, we just read that in Psalm 107.20, healing and deliverance, right? For they are life. To who? Ooh. Those who find them. If you're going to find something, you better be looking for it, right? In other words, you've got a purpose to know him. You've got to have this in your focus each day. Your eyes are set on him. Your mind is stayed on him. For those who find them, so it's not automatic. Now look at this. God's words are health to all their body. Does that include your ankles? Are your, your lungs included in all your body? How about your spleen? Your liver? Your intestines? Your brain? Your ligaments? Your tendons? Tendons. Tendons. That's a good word. Tendons. That's a, a cross between tendons and a tenement, I think. I don't know. <laughs> So it's health, and we know the Hebrew word there for health literally means the cure and the remedy. God's Word is the cure and the remedy for all your body. This is just the Bible. How many believers have no idea of this reality? They're searching for the cure, just like the world. They're trying this this and trying that and this and that and that. But God's Word is the cure. It's health to all your whole body. It will make you well and keep you well. Amen. In fact, there was a guy in the Bible, wasn't even in the nation of Israel. He was a Roman centurion. And he recognized the light of God's Word. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, he said this to God himself in the flesh, to Jesus. He said, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But it's really not necessary. If you'll just say the Word, right? It brings healing, deliverance. It's the cure for our whole body. My servant will be healed. Well, that may, He recognized the power of of God's Word. Let's recognize that, right? Today. So the light of God's Word can fix anything, regardless of what you may currently believe or what you've been told. This is the truth, okay? We want to let God be God in our lives and not limit Him or put Him in a box with man's religious theology. At Highway Church, we say regularly, Jesus didn't come to set up a religion. He came to bring us into a relationship with God as our Father. All right? Now hang on, because we're going to get into some, some good stuff here. So God operates, God deals with problems with His Word. And I think we said it last uh, message, and maybe the one before, that God sees the solution to the problem inside first. It's called believing. You see it inside first, and then He releases it with His mouth. All right? He believes, then he speaks. We can say it that way. 
Jesus taught us to live that way in his ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, what things soever you desire. That's what he said. What things soever you desire. Believe that you have received them. And you shall have them. See yourself as having it. And this can be challenging. And I, I would struggle with a lot of physical issues. But I, as I started to realize, I began to see myself healthy and strong. Even though I was on my back and in pain. Having a very hard time. I didn't look healthy. I didn't feel healthy. But I would lay there and meditate on the scriptures. And in Acts, where, where the man who's, who was uh, crippled from his mother's womb, the word came to him in his ankles. It says his ankles immediately became strong. And he leaped and he jumped. And I saw myself leaping and jumping. And there I am laying in my bed like this. <laughs> you see it inside first. And when you see it inside, and it might take time to see that. You might have to meditate for a while. And as we're meditating in the scriptures, we're shining light on ourselves. And that light forms an image inside. And when that image becomes clear, you'll know it. And then you release it with your mouth. And you say, with the stripes that wounded Jesus, I have been healed. And when I released that, within, within 24 to 48 hours, I was on my feet, ready to go. But you see it inside by believing his word, meditating on that. Okay? When you actually start believing God's promises your whole prayer life will change. In fact, according to Jesus' ministry, you know what? He taught us that answers don't come by praying. Let me say that again. He taught us praying doesn't bring the answers. Believing does. You can pray all you want. It's not going to make a difference until you start believing. We all right? Right? So believing changes things, all right? So when you start believing the promises of God, your prayer life changes where you begin to have this relationship with the author of life. And his spirit begins illuminating your heart. And you begin to see how much He loves you. You begin to see what He's already done for you in Christ. You begin to see what He wants to do for you in your life. By His Spirit, through His Word. Okay? Now, I'm going to say a simple statement. God is good. Most Christians will agree with that, I hope. God is good. Maybe a lot of people would agree with that. But if you'll talk with believers, you'll say God is good, they'll say yes, and you start kind of hearing what they believe, some of the things they believe about God aren't good. God is good, but then you talk a little bit, I say, wait a minute. But some of the things they're believing about God aren't good at all. Like everything happens for a reason. In other words, God's behind everything that happens. Well, let's be real about that. What's really happening in the earth? Murder, destruction, stealing, rape, children dying of diseases. You're saying God is behind that? Have you lost your mind? How can we say God is good and think he's behind that? You can't unless, you, unless again, you, you, you make no sense whatsoever. We're just being real. Can we be real? Because religion... We'll, we'll get you into this philosophy that just doesn't make sense. So Jesus taught us that God was good. And, and in fact, I've, I've heard messages from churches and I've read Christian books that teach that, that every accident, every tragedy, every sickness, every disease is somehow a part of God's divine plan. They didn't get that from Jesus. They didn't get that from the Bible. That's a spirit of darkness. That's a doctrine of darkness. Let's just be real. I'm not trying to put anyone down. I am trying to tear down dark ideas. Because these dark ideas are giants that have trapped people in their sickness, in their tragedy, in their thing that they've been through or are going through. And this is a giant that we want to dismantle and we want to slay this thing so that you can have life and enjoy what Christ has done for you. Now, this is interesting, talking about this whole idea of, you know, God using, or here's a good one. Well, you know what? Um, 
God's using that. I think God's using that sickness in your life to teach you something. Let me just ask you a real question. I'm so glad. I'm so, I'm so, we're free to be real with God. So if God's using this sickness in my let me ask you a question. If I, as a father, if, if I had the power to stop a sickness from coming into my child's life or a tragedy from happening, and I chose not to do it, would I be a good father? No. The answer is no. If you, don't, if you can't answer that, something's wrong. Because <laughs> Jesus taught us this very plainly in his ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Matthew 7.11 is a great example, right? He made it very simple. In fact, you know, the religious experts accused Jesus of doing the great things that he did by the power of Satan. Same spirit, same dark idea, right? They said he does what he does. What did he do? He healed people. He set them free, never made one person sick, never caused one tragedy, never hurt anybody. He set people free. Blind eyes saw, deaf ears heard, dumb sang, lame leaped and walked, maimed were made whole, dead were raised. And they said he does what he does by the power of Satan. That's just like saying that everything that happens is God's will. Same, same accusation. How did Jesus respond to that? Well, he has some divine purpose in it all. No. What did he say? He said, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. So if, if I'm healing people and casting out demons by the power of Satan, who's the one causing those things, his kingdom can't stand. But if I'm doing these things by the power of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. God's kingdom is healing. God's kingdom is deliverance. God's kingdom is safety and protection, wholeness. In fact, if you put your faith in Christ, the kingdom of God is inside of you. God's kingdom is good. It's complete. God doesn't need to go outside of his kingdom to find a solution for you. Well, I won't I, I have to use that sickness over there to try and teach them humility. Huh? God would have to use a dark thing to teach us? That's twisted. That's perversion. Let's rid our minds of such darkness. I'm serious. It's time for that thinking to be absolutely gone from the body of Christ. There's nothing right about it. There's nothing good about it. There are no solutions outside of God's kingdom. There's no answers in sickness. It's not going to teach you anything but how bad it feels to be sick. Now, you know, you can, and I've been sick a lot you, in my life prior to knowing what I know. I've been walking in divine health for over 20 years now by, by just believing what I'm sharing with you. You know, you can, you can approach difficult situations and you can, you can adopt a positive attitude about it, and that's good. But, but, that, but, there, but, don't, but there's a life available to you through knowing the true nature of your Father and not believing that He did this to you. Oh boy, we're going to get into a doozy. Are you guys ready? I said this last Sunday, and it just takes time because this is a giant, and we've got to dismantle this thing. All right, God is good, and because He's good, He does not cause, nor does He allow bad things to happen in the earth. And this is a shocker, and I know this sets off the, the religious police's alarm system, right? But I want you to stay with, stay with what we're going to look at the Scriptures in this today. We're going to even make it more clear today. All right, it takes time. What, what the Bible calls these strongholds. What is a stronghold? Something that has a stronghold on your thinking. And strongholds have been built in the lives of believers through man's religious theology. And as a result, they can't enjoy the healing and the things that God has already provided for them because they've got these strongholds in their minds. But we want to tear those down so that you can experience Christ. So listen, most people will say, okay, or, or I, you, know, you can talk with someone and they say, well, maybe God's not causing these things. But he is allowing them, right? Let's think about that for a second. 
God is, well, he, maybe he's allowing them. To say that God is allowing bad things to happen is to say that he could stop them, but he chooses not to. Isn't that what you're saying? If we just be real. Come on. It's saying that God could stop them, but for some divine reason, some hidden purpose, he just chooses not to. And then they might say something like this. God can do anything. Your seatbelts are on, right? Let's just check. You might want to take them off because you might get to jump on this one. How about religious goggles? Are they off? Religious earbuds are out? You're going to get free here if you keep on coming, I'm telling you. I'm going to say something crazy. It's true, but it might sound crazy. Clear. Can God do anything? No. God can't, cannot do anything. We're going to look at the Scriptures now. This is not my idea. Jesus revealed this. The Scriptures revealed it. God cannot do anything. Is God all-powerful? Yes. Is He all-knowing, omniscient? Yes. Is He everywhere at the same time? Yes. But that doesn't mean he can just do anything. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. The Bible, if it's rightly taught, brings light and freedom, right? The Bible teaches us that God cannot, C-A-N-N-O-T, cannot do anything. Don't say such ignorant things about him. See, when you know his nature, you won't think like that anymore. God has set up a system in the earth, and he goes by it. Hebrews chapter 6, this is from the Bible. I didn't put this in your Bible before you came today. It was in there before I was ever born. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says this. It is what? Impossible for God? Well, Wait a minute. What? I thought nothing was impossible for God. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Maybe two minutes. <laughs> it is impossible for God to lie. Wow. Can God lie? Well, let's look at Titus 1 2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who what? Cannot. God can do anything. Oh boy. That's not what the Bible says. God cannot lie. Can't do it. Never ever. Never has. Never will. No matter what. He cannot lie. Promised long ages ago. Oh, this is a good one. James 1.13. For God cannot. <laughs> he cannot. Impossible. Never happened. Never will. Cannot be tempted by evil. Why? Because he's not evil. He's good. There's nothing evil about him. Never, not a stitch. Not .00001%. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Boy, that flies right in the face of some religious teaching. Now they go, oh, God's testing you. Is he really? God does not tempt anyone with evil. Right? We just read three passages. We doing Okay. Religion promotes this Neanderthal, caveman idea of God, you know? We're just, <laughs> we just come to church and worship this big idol and we don't really know him, but we're, <laughs> we're just like, we don't know our God, but yeah, he's good, but he kills babies and we don't understand it, but what is that? It just promotes this like, prehistoric, dark idea of God. We know Him. He's revealed Himself to us through Jesus Christ. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. We don't have any blind faith. None of it. 
We, our hearts have been illuminated with the light of Christ, right? We have faith that sees God. Faith that knows His nature and His will for our lives. We're not cavemen. We're not grunting in front of a statue trying to figure out what He's going to do next. Here's one of my favorites, 2 Timothy 2.13. Another thing God cannot do. The fourth passage we've looked at. If we are faithless, so is He. No. He remains faithful. Isn't that good? For He cannot. There's another cannot with God. He cannot deny himself stay with me this is going to help you it really will he cannot deny himself in other words God is always true to who he is how could we have faith if he wasn't you can't I mean if God is one way today and another tomorrow how can I be sure of anything Remember, Bible faith is being sure and certain, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Sure and certain. If you're not sure and certain, it's not faith, according to the Bible. Religious faith is just kind of like wishing and hoping. Ah, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Or, you know, just, just kind of just hoping it will, you know. But Bible faith is being sure and certain. I know His will for my life. He revealed it to me through His Son, and it's never going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Now we can have faith. Now we can be confident no matter what dark thing might try and come our way because we know the nature of our Father. Amen. This is when faith blossoms, when you're sure of His nature, when you know His will. See, that's, that's what religion says. You can't know God's will. You're, we're just, you know, we're just, we don't know his will. You, can, you can't know what God's going to do. Why can't you? Jesus revealed it. Psalm 78. Let's look at another passage. This is shocking to me, this one. Woo, this changed my life. Yes, again and again. This is talking about Israel. They were in slavery for hundreds of years. It was not God's will. He didn't want it. Slavery has nothing to do with him. Freedom is his nature. Yet they found, they put themselves there through their stubborn hearts and unbelief. And generations of them died in slavery because of their stubbornness and unbelief. He set them free miraculously. And another generation of them died in the desert because of their stubbornness and unbelief. Again and again, they tempted God. And what? Limited God? But God can do anything. You're ignorant for saying so. You don't know his nature. You do not understand the system he has established in the earth through his word. And limited, they limited the Holy One of Israel through their unbelief. Wow. Can we limit God? In our lives. Yeah. So we need to start believing, don't we? But listen, hearing messages like you're hearing is going to inspire faith in you. Because you're getting the knowledge of God's true nature. Look at this next scripture. This is, Jesus, this is God in the flesh. He came to earth, you know. He, 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 he uh, wiped out any, any mystery about who he really is. He revealed the nature of God in his ministry, right in here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And God's talking, and, and he's in his hometown, his, the region where he was from. And look what it says about Jesus. This is, you, know, you can't get any more perfect than this. You can't get any more powerful than this. He could do no. What? God can do anything. He could do no mighty work there. Now listen, if he wasn't trying, there'd be no need to mention it. Right? Here's Jesus trying to do mighty works and could not do them. Oh man, 
I mean, religion can't come here, so you might as well let go of it. You might as well come into the light. This is Jesus trying to set people free, and it's not working. Why? Was Jesus doing something wrong? Come on. Not once. He's perfect. Well, it tells us why. Except lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Next verse. And he marveled because of their unbelief. They limited what God wanted to do in their lives because of their unbelief. So what did he do? Get mad and run away? How did he respond? No, he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Teaching what? Arithmetic? No. How good his father is. Teaching them the goodness of God, the kingdom of God. Why? So that they would believe so he could do the things he wanted to do in their lives. See, when you learn how good God is, it opens the door for Him to do what He's wanted to do in your life all along. It does. It changes everything. It changes everything. Teaching and preaching the nature of the Father. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we endeavor to do here. So that God can do the things He wants to do in our lives. Now, let's get back to that statement, with God, all things are possible. Is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. With God, people say, but with God, all things are possible. He can do anything. Wait a minute now. Remember, just because something's in the Bible doesn't mean we've understood it properly. Right? And it doesn't mean we've kept it in its proper context. Where do we find those scriptures? With God, all things are possible. Well, we know of three of them in the Gospels. You've got Matthew 19, 26, Luke 18, 27, Luke 1, 37. If you look at every one of them, it is always said in the context of man's salvation. In other words, if you need healing, if you need salvation, if you need deliverance, nothing is impossible with God. That's the context of that verse. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how far gone you think that person is or you think you are, salvation is available to them and it's available to you through simple faith in Jesus Christ. With God, nothing is impossible. You understand the context? Doesn't that make sense? It's not saying that God's nature somehow changes each day and we don't know what He's going to do and anything's possible. That doesn't make any sense. You've got to keep things in the context with which they're written. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? Huh, isn't this fun? Yes. You doing okay? Yes. Do you still love me? Yes. All right. So, apparently, God cannot violate himself, right? God can't violate his own word. God cannot do anything because he has established a system in the earth and he operates by his own rules every time. He won't break one of them ever because it's an amazing system. He designed it. Okay? Now, where things get confusing is when you start looking at man and all the things going on in the earth. But we're going to get there. So let's see here. So what is this system? Well, Satan knows about it. Many Christians don't. See, Satan knows that God operates by his own rules. That's why Satan can take advantage of man. Because he knows how this works. Many Christians don't. They're going around like this. I just worship God. I go to church every Sunday. and I don't know about what he's going to do next. I don't know. You know. If God didn't operate by his own rules, there would be no need for him to have sent Jesus. Right? There wouldn't be any need for Jesus to come. Have you ever wondered why it took 4,000 years for Jesus to come? Like, why why didn't God, right after Adam fell, zap Jesus into the earth and fix that thing? Because he set up a system. He couldn't do that. It could not be done. 
It couldn't be done. God could not do that. He already established a system. We're going to look at it. Hang with me here. In fact, this system, life is so powerful. Righteousness, but sin is death. There's no getting around it. We can color code it and, and put you know, all kinds of philosophy in front of it. Sin is just death. That's what it is. That doesn't mean you'll die immediately if you do it, but that's where it leads. And it brings darkness with it. It's contrary to the nature of God. And we saw back in, uh, in Genesis chapter 1 when we read it that in verse 1, God created a perfect heaven and earth, perfect earth, right? But between verse 1 and verse 2, Lucifer rebelled. No man on the earth at this point in time, right? Lucifer and his angels rebelled, and they were cast down to the earth, and they wreaked havoc on the earth. Verse 2 of Genesis 1. Destruction, death, misery, chaos, right? And God implemented a plan of restoration in verse 3 of Genesis 1. And it started with his word, light be, right? Now, the last step of his system, the system that God set up in the earth, was the creation of beings in his image. Day six, Genesis. You with me? He made Adam, made Eve, right? This was the last step of his system to implement light into the earth. All right? Remember, God's true to himself. Made us in his image. How are we doing on time? Okay, we can do this. Let's see. I want to make sure we have time to get this all in. If I start something, it's going to take some time to get done. <laughs> all right. Now, we know John 3.16 tells us what? God so loved the world that, yeah. The, yes. Excellent. Excellent. So God loves everybody, right? God loves everybody. Yeah. He loved the whole world, right? Loves every single person. And he gave his son so that they could be saved. Is everyone saved? No. I thought God could do anything. Is it God's will for everyone to be saved? Yes. I thought God's will always happens. Not everyone's saved. What's happening? What's going on here? It's not automatic, right? God, we see, made us in his image, and he made us free, Right? Boy, boy, this is so good. We're going to go for it. Okay. I'm just taking my time here. I don't want to. It's good. So, all right. Go to 2 Corinthians 11.3. Let's do it this way. <laughs> oh, this is good. 2 Corinthians 11.3. So it's God's will for everyone to be saved. How do we get saved? Believe. In who? Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith. Are you telling me a filthy, stinking, lost person like me can be saved just by believing in Jesus? Yeah. The worst of the worst. Saved instantly through simple faith in Christ. Right? The Bible teach that? Yeah, it does. All right. But why doesn't it just happen for everyone? Because obviously we have to make a choice, right? There's a system in place. Let me say it this simply. The system is this. Believe God's word. The system is God's word, and it's activating our lives by believing it. It really is that simple. Remember, is it John 6? What must we do to do the works of God? They asked Jesus. He said, believe on the one whom he sent. Just that simple. But Satan wants to pull man away from this simple system. Away from the simplicity of God's system. And he does it predominantly through religion. Religion is a complex system with no real answers. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. We doing okay? Are you happy, happy, happy? Yes. 2 Corinthians 11.3 3. 
This is the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul. He says this, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from what? The simplicity. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I need it simple. Will someone make it simple for me, please? One plus one is two. Hallelujah. So your minds may be, uh, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You want to know what that word simplicity means? Right from the dictionary. The quality or condition of being easy. Easy to understand and easy to do. It's easy to understand and it's easy to do. <laughs> Didn't Jesus say in Matthew eleven thirty, my yoke is easy. Oh, I got to go see Lionel Richie. Hear that song. Easy like a Sunday morning. <laughs> You guys know that Torrin Wells from uh, Royal Taylor is touring with Lionel Richie and Mariah Carey. Isn't that cool? Let's check it out online. Yeah, he's a Christian artist. He's on tour right now with Lionel Richie. I thought that was great. Yeah. What's it? Yeah, it's in Boston on Tuesday. Yeah. I, I, we put a post of that at Highway Church on our Facebook page, and I put his quote in, or his statement, and he said, uh, in order for salt to fulfill its purpose, it has to make contact. Because sometimes Christian artists get criticized for being in a secular environment. Where else are you going to go? We're in the world, right? <laughs> Salt's got to make contact, baby. That's why we played in Boston. Hallelujah. So, okay, let's get, let's get into this here. So, easy, easy like a Sunday morning. So, this, this safety, this simplicity, it's a safeguard for us. We have a God that is easy to know. Man, this is shocking, isn't it? It's easy to do His will. It's easy to understand His will, and it's easy to do His will. Have you ever heard this before? I Probably not. But boy, it should be preached. It's easy to know Him. I like saying it because it just makes the religious devils mad. It's easy to know God. It's easy to understand His will. It's easy to do His will. His yoke is easy. Woo! In fact, simplicity not only means easy to understand, according to the dictionary, it means extremely easy. Extremely easy. Joseph, extremely easy. Bosco. I love it. The unforced rhythms of his grace. Man, this is so good. From the simplicity, the extremely easy relationship, will that is in Christ. So the final step of God's system in the earth he makes man in his image, right? Day six. He implements light in the earth. Darkness is still there, according to Genesis, but light now is reigning in the earth again, right? And now it's a paradise again, right? He's, he's restored it in, in six days. It's a paradise again. Now, remember, God is love, right? And he made us in his image. What's that mean? We're love beings. We're made of love, born of love, that's our nature now through faith in Christ, right? And here's the kicker. Real love requires real freedom. You can't have real love without real freedom. If you have people who have, were forced to marry each other because the husband threatened the wife to marry him, that's not a proposal. That's a threat, right? That's not love. Love is something I, I choose to do of my own free will. This is where things can get confusing if you don't understand that. And God 
Because He is love, He created us free. God, because of His love nature, made man free. He gave man freedom and agency to do whatever He wanted to do. If God created beings that He controlled, we wouldn't be made in His image. And He will never violate you. Ever. He cannot violate you. I can say with total confidence, God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never be unfaithful to you. Never, never, never. He cannot be unfaithful. He cannot leave you. He cannot forsake you. He cannot hurt you. He cannot violate you. Why? Love, baby. Love. He's not going to change for no one, no how. He's perfect love, always has been, always will be. Hallelujah. But you've got to understand, freedom comes with love, all right? And religion hates this, what I'm saying right now. Because religion wants to control people. Religion is afraid that if you won't come to their church, right? They've got to try and control you to keep you there. Religion wants to have control over people's lives, but God doesn't want to have control over your life. He doesn't. He wants to love you. Boy, this is, it's good. It's just, it's easy. God doesn't want to control you. Isn't that great? Wow. My wife doesn't want to control me. I don't want to control her. Love. Freedom and love. Like peanut butter and jelly, right? God doesn't want to control you. Now, God who is sovereign over all, right? God is sovereign, right? In His sovereignty, we saw, I think it was last message, that God gave man sovereignty over the earth, right? We'll read this and then we'll, then we'll stop, okay? God gave sovereignty over the earth. And we'll pick up next week. That's, it just takes time, but that's all right. In fact, man was second in command only to God. According to the Bible. That's how God did it. He had authority over angels, over demons, over all, everything on the earth. Right? Galatia, or Genesis 1, verse 28. Genesis 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, because He's love. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Right? What does subdue mean? Bring under the control or keep it under the control. Keep darkness under your feet. Because darkness was still in the earth. We see that, saw that in Genesis, right? There'd be no need to subdue anything if God's will automatically happened in the earth. If God could do anything. Right? He gave man the responsibility to keep darkness under our feet. God's not going to do that for him. He did everything he could do by sending his son Jesus. Now it's our turn. Right? To do what He created us to do. To keep Satan under our feet. Right? And have dominion. If you look up the word, it means sovereignty. Have sovereignty over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. So man was made in God's image to operate like God. To believe and to speak. This is the system God set up. Believe my word, speak my word. Believe my word, speak my word. If, if a thought or idea comes your way that's not my word, don't believe it, don't speak it. Okay? That's God's system. It's that simple. Believe it, speak it. Believe it, speak it. Believe it, speak it. If it's not me, don't believe it, don't speak it. Pretty simple, right? Uh, it's easy. It's easy. All right. Can I get three more minutes? You give me three more minutes? All right. And the Lord God, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, then we'll end here. This is a scripture we ended on last week. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. Didn't do this with anyone else because we were made in his image. The breath of life. What's that? His spirit, right? He gave man his spirit. And man became a living soul. I share with you that I've come across rabbinic 
translations by rabbis, Hebrew rabbis, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, uh, that, that, that translate this verse, uh, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a speaking spirit. Or a discoursing spirit. That makes sense with the scriptures. In other words, if you look at creation, man is the only one that has the ability to consider options, to reason, think them through, come to a conclusion, and then articulate it. Nothing else in creation can do that. Because we're made in His image. Alright, so next week, we're going to see that man has been given this power to speak the will of God into the earth. Jesus taught us to do it. Alright? Don't miss it. We simply don't have the time to get into that right now. Okay, but boy... You're going to be so glad. It's going to be so good. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Lord, your love is off the charts. And Lord, we receive your love for us. You accomplished our redemption through your son, Jesus Christ. You did everything you could do by giving us your son. You did it, Lord. And we thank you for it. We receive the salvation that you have provided for us through your Son. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for making it easy. Thank you for making it simple. Faith in you. It's that simple. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.